I was really doing some church stuff, honest. Although I'll have to admit I was looking at those lemon bars. Later. Today's Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday is celebrated uh, as a celebration. We kind of think of it as a parade. Uh, uh, believers and curious uh, curiosity seekers and any number of different kinds of people showed up on that particular day uh, to uh, herald in the coming of this person that was riding on the back of a of a donkey. Uh, some thought they knew who he was. Some didn't really care who he was. It's just something to do today. Uh, think about that for a moment because that is the nature of celebration, isn't it? Uh, celebration is done that way. We do it at Christmas time. We do it on the 4th of July. Uh, we do it, we have a parade. And why do we go to the parade? Not so much necessarily to, to honor the veterans, if it's Veterans Day parade or whatever, but because, well, we get to see the floats. We get to see uh, the bands. We get to, you know, it's just something to, something special to do today. Not really that big a deal. Now, that isn't all of us, of course, but that is a great number of people. How many people celebrate? We talk about Christmas being the big deal, and it's a big celebration thing in all of the stores. They got, you know, they carefully tell you how what words you can use while you're there. But there it is. It's celebrate Christmas and get out your credit card because that's what you need to do. Uh it's a celebrate, going to give gifts. It's all about giving gifts. And so buy them here. Buy them at Walmart, at Target, at, at uh, Bergenstocks. Is that correct? Is that the name of a shoe store? Isn't it? Yeah. It is. It is. Okay, good. Any, anywhere, we'll accept your card. We'll accept it. You know, if, if you've got seven types of... In, in, uh, Come on, I lost the word. Uh, identification, we'll accept your check. Uh, and uh, I've got special screening to make sure that the bills, dollar bills that you're using are not counterfeit. And we're, we're ready for you. And that's all we really care about, bottom line. And we, we have on the news after, after the event, after the event we'll have on the news uh, what kind of a financial impact we, we had this year. Oh, the, the stores did well. Uh, nobody got, nobody's going to get laid off because we, we had a very successful, let's say Christmas or whatever it's going to be. Uh, and we're going to hear the numbers about, uh, Coachella Fest going on after the end of this week. Uh, we're going to, somebody's going to publish and tell us the financial, positive financial impact for the Coachella Valley for you putting up with all of that traffic and all of the, all of the full falderall trying to find a place to go eat today might be a trick as well, right? With all of the people that are in town. Anyway, that's what we had on Palm Sunday. That kind of thing. And last week, I think we spent some time talking about the face of Palm Sunday or the face of the individuals that were there to do what? Throwing their clothes in the ground so that the the donkey could walk across them, or the palms and so on. Palm Sunday, here, hooray, hooray, blessed is the Lord. And Oh, that's a good song. Let's all sing it. How many of us sing a song 
And we haven't really had the slightest idea what we're really saying. We're just reading the words and they come out and whatever they, whatever they say, that's fine. But then if you're asked, do you really believe what you just said? Do you really believe what you just saying? What did I just say? You know, we could close our eyes and recite the Lord's Prayer. We can close our eyes and we can recite the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Do you really know what you're doing when you say, I pledge allegiance to the flag? And so on and so on. Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. It just, out it comes. And when we're talking in terms of our relationship to God, we're talking about a worshipful experience. And I want to look and make sure this is doing it. Yes. I was wiring myself for sound as Shirley was trying to fill the time. There we are. Okay. So, <clears throat> normally I would do a Palm Sunday message. But this year I decided that I wanted to do six Easter messages. Hmm, how do you do that? Well, I decided that I would chronologically work through the Easter season, beginning with Palm Sunday. So my first message was on Palm Sunday, or about Palm Sunday, and we would march through, up through, and including Resurrection Day, which is next Sunday, and so uh, we'll be there for that. But today, uh, as we're moving, I gave you the face of the crowd last week. Today, we're going to talk about the cross. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus on the cross. I'm wearing the tie that I'm wearing today, and some people go crazy for the ties that I wear. Uh, the tie I'm wearing today, I wore specifically for today. It's a message tie. I'm wearing a red shirt today, not because uh, I think it's Christmas, but because red is the color of blood, and we're going to be talking about blood today. We're going to be talking about uh, death today. We're going to be talking about Jesus on the cross today. That's what we're going to be doing. And so uh, we call this we can call this the seven words of the cross. We can call it the seven words of Jesus, uh, the seven words of the cross. That's the message today. Uh, and so we need to, to set the stage for that because Jesus was arrested uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, and he was uh, tried two or three or five times, some people say. You can go through your scripture and, and do the count for yourself. Uh, and it was decided uh, that... Uh, he should not live. And so he went to the cross. He was crucified uh, on the cross. And that was important to happen. Scripturally speaking, we knew that that was going to happen. Uh, and we're going to read some Old Testament scripture, some prophetic scripture that's going to speak to that. Uh, and as we begin that message, I want us to pray for a moment. I'm going to say some verses that you've heard over and over and over again, probably this time of year. But I want you to really hear the words. I want you to really share with me, think with me, as I share with you the import of those words. And how having that foundation as we go into what we call Resurrection Day, next Sunday, uh, we have a, a better, fuller, foundational understanding of just how much God does love us. So let's pray together. Gracious, loving Father, as we begin this message today, we just ask that you use your Holy Spirit on our minds and our hearts. Everything else set aside today as we focus completely and directly 
upon you. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus has never been, I, this is my saying, I can't give you a scripture that says it, but Jesus was never more human man than he was on that crucifixion day. The day in which he was tried, the day in which he was, he was beaten to the point of non-recognition. It doesn't even look like a human being, the scripture tells us. That's how badly he was beaten and abused in a physical way. That's what we're talking about now. We're talking about the physical life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is It's coming where? It's coming to its close. We, we already know the end story here. Uh, <clears throat> but that's, that's the Jesus we're talking about. Jesus, the human being, Jesus, the man, Jesus, the flesh and blood, Jesus is going to the cross on this day. And he does. They nail him to the cross and they put the cross up and there he is. And crucifixion, as you, most of you probably know, is a very, very painful, slow, way in which to kill somebody and it was a common uh, execution it wasn't anything special in that way they didn't do this oh let's invent a brand new execution and we'll we'll start out with jesus crucifixion had been around for a long time but jesus is crucified uh, because in one way we understand because he was crucified with the thieves Thereby identifying with the thieves, thereby identifying with the common man, thereby uh, identify, identifying with the sinner. So upon himself, he takes the sin of the world, your sin, my sins, everybody's sins tomorrow and the next day and so on. And we'll talk more about that. But he takes all of that upon himself. And we see that in the way in which he was executed. It wasn't done. It wasn't that well, nothing special about it. He was part of the common man. And the problem that I've always had with this is many of the people that were celebrating and saying Hosanna and all of the wonderful things that they were saying on those previous days on what we call Palm Sunday were there at the cross saying crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But Jesus had things to say, and these things that he says, I think, are very, very significant. There are seven utterances, seven that are recorded for us. Did he make any other utterances? Not that we know of. We go on the basis of Scripture, what we see in Scripture, and there were seven utterances from Jesus. Not com- No complaining, maybe a little bit of moaning, uh, crucifixion is defecate, uh, death by suffocation, uh, because as you're hanging on the cross, you're, the weight of your body is pulling down and, and you're, you're crushing your lungs, makes it impossible to breathe, uh, and you push up with your feet, and if you remember that Jesus has his feet nailed to the cross as well, and you have to push up with your feet in order to relieve some of that pressure on your lungs so that you can take a breath. It's impossible to breathe. Think about this for a moment. And I have to admit that I just toyed with this the other day. 
How could he have said a word? <laughs> How could he have possibly said a word? But he said he said seven of them or seven phrases. And we're going to focus on those right now. Seven of those. And the first one. And I, the chronology is so very, very important, I think. Because the very first word that we hear, the word of the Lord, is the word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Ten words. Ten words. That's the longest phrase that he speaks from the cross as recorded on Scripture. The very first phrase that he spoke. The very first phrase that he spoke was for you, for me, for us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now we're talking about the physical thing, and Jesus is being executed unfairly, unlawfully, uh, and so on. But we transfer that physical idea to the spiritual idea, and as we have rejected him our entire lives, as we have turned our back on the Lord our entire lives, and not accepted the love that he's given us, listen to that phrase again. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you reach out and try to touch others with the loving, uh, with the love of God, and that's what you get in return, you get that rejection. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. First thing that he said on the cross, the longest phrase, think about how difficult it would be, back to that physical idea again, how difficult it would be to push up so that I got just enough breath to keep myself alive and keep the lungs working, and I'm going to waste my time saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I threw in the waste of time. Jesus didn't waste his time, of course. Father, forgive them. The word of the forgiveness. The word of forgiveness. And what I want you to do today, and I've, one of the reasons I didn't get my sound system put on is I was stacking. When you go back there for your lemon bar, at the end of the message, I put these out uh, now because I didn't want you to pick them up and be reading them while I'm speaking to you. That's just rude. Uh, anyway, this is A Case for Easter by Lee Strobel. There's about... 45 or 50 books back there for the dozen of us that are in the room. I want every single person, be you husband and wife, and I will just take one, take two, one for both of you, then you can read it and you can share with each other what it's about. But I want you to take a handful. In fact, for the rest of the time, I want you to be thinking to yourself, how many of these can I effectively use as I go through the week this week leading up to Resurrection Sunday. How many of these can you, quote, give away? Okay, I'm giving them to you. The church is giving them to you. I'm not asking. They're not, they're not on sale back there for a buck and a half or two bucks or whatever the going price would be. I want you to just take as many as you can prayerfully use between now and next Sunday uh, sharing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, with a lost and dying world, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, or pardon me, God says, Jesus quoted, for God so loved the world, 
that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's the message. That's the giving. And the giving is found in what we're talking about right now as Jesus is on the cross dying for you. Dying for those people out there. People that are out there today playing golf. uh, And I'm just picking on golf because you can look out there and see it. uh, Not taking time out of their lives to recognize the matchless gift that has been provided to them. Help them. Pick a couple of these up. Half a dozen. Whatever you think you can use. Okay, please do that. And if there's any left over, I will cry and pray for you next week. And uh, they'll be out there again next week and I'll give them to you again. But there it is. So that, so there's the... There's that. How's that for a commercial with no price tag on it? Isn't that a neat deal? Okay, so that takes care of word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Ten words. Then the next time, the next thing that he says is is in relationship to the thief. The thief on the cross. There's two thieves, one on either side. And during the time of derision, crucifying, hey, if you're so special, Call somebody to come take you down. Call for your angels. Call for this God that you pray to, da da, and so on. You know, you're 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 a charlatan. You're this. You're that. You're the other thing. And everybody's involved in that. And then finally, one of the thieves gets the word. Gets gets the thought. The Holy Spirit has been working in his heart and his mind, and he looks over at Jesus and he says, "Remember me." And Jesus says this. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And I want you to notice that so far everything that he's saying has nothing to do with himself. It has everything to do with you. Father, forgive them. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. How can I say that, Jesus? You could, you could ask. Because you have confessed yourself before me. You have taken upon yourself... That's the last half of John 3.16. You've taken for yourself the exactly what God would have you to take in order to be with him, to be reconciled to him. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Eight words. Third word is a word of love. And there are seven words there. I often thought that this had took up more time more words than the others. And when I went through and counted, I was kind of surprised, but then not really surprised because what is the most important thing that this is all about? The whole thing is all about what? Forgiveness in order that you might be reconciled to the Father. That's what it's all about. Everything else leads up to that. Christmas leads up to Easter because he has to be born in order for him to be on the cross today so that he can physically die, so that he can raise again next Sunday in order that he will usher in or show you the way in which you shall go when you accept him. But that word of love is to his mother. Woman, behold thy son. And then he says to John, behold thy mother. Seven words, just seven. Even while he's hanging on the cross in all of his agony, 
I mean, he had agony going up onto the cross. He's been beaten silly. He's gonna, it'd probably take him a month in the hospital to recuperate from the beating. Woman, behold thy son. And of course we know it when we flush out, uh, the rest of scripture in that area. We know that he was speaking to John, uh, and John the apostle, John the disciple, John takes upon himself the responsibility for the mother. So, he's taken responsibility in the word of forgiveness for everybody. He's taken, uh, he's given a glad tiding to the thief on the cross, one individual. And now he's taking care of his earthly duties as the eldest son. And we will assume that Joseph has passed away because Joseph just drops off the pages of scripture. We know nothing about him. Uh, after Jesus is 12 years old. So for the last 18 years or so, we don't know anything about Joe. And so <clears throat> he says, John, I want you to take care of my son. Take on the responsibility or take on the responsibility for my mother because I, as the eldest son, that's my responsibility. According to Jewish law, that's my responsibility. And I'm turning it over to you because I can't do it anymore physically. And he tells his mother, here's your son, behold, thy mother. And there it is, and then John actually does that. We find that in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. Seven words of love. So far we've got 10 plus 8 plus 7. That's what, 25 words? 25 words and they're all for you. Nothing for me. Nothing about my situation, says Jesus. It's all about your situation. And I'm taking care of that. I'm taking care of that. For God so loved the world. If Jesus is God, for God so loved the world. Even in the words of the cross, the order in which the words are given, we see the love shining through. We see the love shining through. And the fourth word now begins to look the other way. And we have nine words here. And that's the word of atonement. Because it's here. It's here. Now that I've taken care of, of my earthly duties, we'll put it that way. Because, Father, I want you to take care of everybody. Father, forgive them. Thief on the cross, you... You did what you needed to do. Come with me. And then taking care of his mother. Now all of that. So I've taken care. Now it's time for me to deal with the spiritual end of it. And my, the word of atonement is, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Now, how can he say that? How can he say that? Well, we believe in the scripture uh doesn't say it specifically in a verse, so we can't read a verse. But we believe that it's at that point that Jesus takes upon himself, actually, physically, spiritually, mentally, however you want to put it, takes upon himself the sin of the world. Now Jesus is a murderer. He is a thief. He is an adulterer. He is a, you name it, you name a sin, he's responsible for it. He's taken the responsibility for it. He's done that. He's doing that. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And Jesus, or pardon me, God has turned his back on Jesus for the first time in all of eternity. Now we could spend the rest of the time just talking about 
Jesus and God always being as one. Always. Not one day they decided to do it that way. Always being as one. And then the plan of salvation is written. And the plan of salvation separates the physical Jesus or creates a physical Jesus. And Jesus is gone. And there is there is that little bit of separation. But Jesus will tell you, he tells you over and over again, everything I've done, Lazarus came come forth. I said it, but it was really God's power that did it. God brought Lazarus forth. God changed the water into the wine. God healed the blind man. God healed the lame man. God God did this. God did the other thing. God killed, or pardon me, raised the uh, the centurion's daughter. All of those things, that's of God. As I have spoken to the Father, so the Father heeded what I had to say. But God did it. Why have you forsaken me? God has had to turn his back on his only begotten son, of the son he dearly loves. He had to turn his back on that person. Why? Because now he is the personification of sin. He's the personification of sin. My God, my God, why hast thou <coughs> forsaken me? Psalm chapter 22. I've got it marked. Where? Oh, my ribbon. There it is. Psalm chapter 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? This is a Davidic psalm written how many hundreds of years before Jesus is hanging on the cross. So Jesus is using scripture. Quoting scripture. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then let me read some other prophetic stuff here while I'm here. Verse 7. They that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot me out the lip. They shake their head. Think about what's being said to Jesus as he's on the cross. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. That's the derision. But thou art he that took me out of the womb, did makes me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. They cried unto me. They trusted in thee, and we're not confounded. They don't understand. That puts us back where? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, what is the very next thing that happens? The shortest phrase of all is the fifth word. And that fifth word is the word of physical suffering. He says, I thirst. I thirst. In uh, Psalm chapter 69, it says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And that's exactly uh, what they did. So here again, that is in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 
Uh, that's in relation, that's prophetic scripture. That's prophetic scripture once again. He says, I thirst. That's the very, actually the very first time he made any physical complaint, if I want, if I can use that word, regard, in regards to his physical situation. Think about it. Spent all that time getting you forgiven. Then he looked to a spiritual situation. Why have you forsaken me? I've got all the sin on my, on my back. I've got all of that sin on my back. All a human woe is on my back. And you've turned away from me. Because I am sin. Then he turns to the physical and he says, I thirst. I thirst. Psalm chapter 22 verse 15 says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. How many of us have done some physical things? I used to be a runner. Honest, I used to run a lot. Uh, And when I got to the end of the race, be it a five-mile race or a ten-mile race, or the longest race I ever ran was 15 miles, that's my verse. Think about that. When you're just that dry, out, that much out of breath, that much, and you're you're dehydrating, you're you're perspiring, yeah, you're sweating. That's pure and simple. That's what it is. Your strength is dried up. Shirley was waiting for me, wondering if I was ever going to get there at the finish line on that 15 mile run, and I made it. I finally got there, and I basically couldn't move another step. Fell down, and probably was thinking. I might as well die because I'm just done. And it took me several days. And they put me on the rifle range the following Monday. And uh, then you're in all kinds of weird positions and I was absolutely beat. Worst firing I ever did with a rifle was that particular rifle range week. They weren't paying attention. Anyway, there we are. I thirst, Jesus said. I thirst. And then the next word, the sixth word, is it is finished. It is finished. John chapter 19, verse 30. It is finished. It's all done. Jesus has done what he was sent to do. And he's given that last salvation message. Father, forgive them. He's given that. He's indicated, he's shown the reward to a gentleman uh, on his right or on his left, I don't remember which side now, probably on his right. Uh, you have to be, no, that's political, I don't want to go there. Uh, but there we are. So he's done all of those things. He's taken care of his mother. That situation's all taken care of. He's taken upon himself the sin. And I believe that it's at this point when he says it is finished, not only <clears throat> is it finished physically, but he is beginning to feel, in a physical sense, and a spiritual sense, the love of the Father. Because then he can say, in the eighth word, uh, is the word of reunion, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now, if we go back and talk about the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise He was basically already speaking. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. But even that instant, maybe just a, can't even measure the amount of time 
where God has turned his back on Jesus. That was the anguish. And that's how terrible the anguish was and is. I personally think that that gives us a mirror to those that don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and are not going to spend an eternity with Him, but are going to spend an eternity with God's back turned to them. That's hell. Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Think about when you've been forsaken in a human sense. And I'm sure every one of us has been at one time or another. How much that hurt. How much that hurt. The God of love has turned his back upon you. That's what happens if you turn your back upon him. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Word of reunion. Three o'clock. Time of the evening sacrifice. That's when, that's when he, when it happens. So he's, he's given himself up. And what happens? What happened? God shows just how terrible this has been for mankind. He blots out the sun. The sun is blocked out for a period of time. The holy of holy drape in the temple is rent from top to bottom, torn apart, indicating that now we have open access to God. Open access to God. By what? By our word. By by our uh, actions based upon that word. Into thy hands I commend my spirit, Jesus says. And <clears throat> I pray that as we have bowed the knee and said, yes, I accept, that we are saying the very same words. I commend my spirit. And beyond my spirit, I even commend my physical walk. Because now it's time for me then to live like you would have me to live. Jesus said, uh, while he was still ministering before the cross, he said, if you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. Now we can put that in the vernacular and say, do what I tell you. (laughs) You got that part? Do what I tell you. And elsewhere, he tells you that everything that he tells you is for your good. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Seven words of the cross. Seven words of the cross. I want you to think for a moment. Once again, we talked about it at the beginning. I want you to think about the agony, physical agony that it took to say those words. To say those words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. First thing he said. First thing he said. That should bring us back to John 3.16 and give us an inkling as to what God so loved, what that word love means. He loved you so much that with all of the stuff that's going on on this uh crucifixion day the beating all of that stuff his first thought is of you of us God so loved 
the world. God so loved the world. Verse 17, of course, says that God sent his son out into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him should be saved. So Jesus, even today, the message of Jesus is not the condemnation. It's the salvation. One of the one of the thieves goes to paradise. One of the thieves, he's set up to go where? To spend an eternity, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? One thief is forsaken, the other is saved. What's the difference between the two? And all we ever see, and how anybody could say justification by works is real, has to look at the thief and say, that thief never did a thing for God. Never tithed, never went out on evangelism tours, never never did anything, never went to church, never never prayed, never all all of the nevers, never, never, ever did those things until the very last moment when he confessed himself before Jesus on the cross, and Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And if I can say that, we should be able to say that. And when we walk the aisle, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that's theoretically what you're supposed to be doing. You're in charge, God. What would you have me do? And sometimes we really get into trouble and we pray. And part of that prayer is, well, God, show me the way. God's ready to show you the way every step of the way. Psalm tells us that he's a light unto our path. What path? Every path. God is with you always. Remember when we were talking about uh, knowing God? And one of the first things we have to understand about knowing God is that he's always at work around you. And how do you know that? Because he was there when you finally got around to saying, yes, Lord Jesus. He was there. Which means he was always there just waiting for you to say, yes, Lord Jesus. He's always there. And that doesn't go away. Well, now that I've got him, I can go, I can be involved in other things. That isn't what God is about. God is with you always. Always. Take that word at its zenith meaning and accept it. We don't accept those superlative words very well because we know always doesn't mean always. Well, it means maybe sometimes always, you know. The the guarantees always break down, okay? Forever breaks down. All of those words that we use so flippantly, we don't really grab the concept of what they mean. For God so loved the world, we say, and that means he loves what? Every single individual on the face of this earth. And you can go to the newspaper today and look at all of the people that we, well, I hate this guy. And this, oh, look what this guy did. Or look what this gal did. And did I, and so on. God loves them. God loves them. Like the thief on the cross. As they're rotting in their jail cell as they're walking down the aisle to receive the lethal injection or the electric chair or whatever it might be as they're meeting their 
final physical days and they finally get the message, they like the thief. And we will see them in paradise when we go to be with him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I'm giving it to you. I'm back with you. I'm reconciled to you. Are you reconciled to him? Which one of the faces are you on Palm Sunday? Just there for the hoopty raw? We're going to have a party later. I've got an old jacket that I can throw in the street. I wouldn't want to throw this one. This one's too nice. I wouldn't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But God has given me a mission, a mission. And God has given you the same mission. I mean, again, my, my mission in part is doing exactly what I'm doing right now. But the mission that he's given to all of us is that we could go into all the world and share with them the love that God has bestowed upon us. I'm merely a witness for what God has done for me. For God so loved the world. And I've said this before and you've heard me say it. There's been those that have pointed their finger at me and said, if he can be saved, anybody can be saved. Ooh. I have to admit that it gave me willies when he did that. It gives me willies when I think about it, and that was almost 50 years ago. Anyway, for God so loved the world that he did the cross for you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But it's finished. I've paid the price. No one need pay the price. The wages of sin is death. No one need pay the price. Because I've done it, Jesus says. It's finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus said it and did it. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And that's where I plan on sitting someday. At the right hand, right hand, right hand, right. Clear down the line for sure. I love what Billy Graham said in in one of his last books. When I get to heaven, I'm just hoping that he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I want. That's all I need. That I've done what I could do for the kingdom. Have you? Let's pray. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you today. For that which you've given to us. For that which you are to us. For that which we have the opportunity to do for you. What a joy it is to serve you. Let us serve you with glad hearts. Let us serve you with open hearts and minds and spirits. To those that need you so very, very desperately. And we give you thanks and praise this Palm Sunday day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. He is exalted.